Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Today, I want to introduce a, a new sermon series. So we're talking about Pentecost, preparing for Pentecost. And today, I want to talk about the promise and the push. Because in, in the beginning of this story, there's, there's, there's multiple promises that Jesus makes. And then there's a real push into those promises. We know that Pentecost is, Sunday is coming up and it's a huge day in the, in the life and the history of church, of the church. And Pentecost is, the, the Greek word actually means 50. That's what the word means. And it's 50 days from, from Easter unto Pentecost. And so, what else does Pentecost mean to us personally? Well, I think Pentecost was this huge dynamic shift in the landscape of the church. There was a a spiritual shift. There was rushing wind filling a building. There were flames of fire appearing over people's heads. And, And there was multiple tongues being spoken and, and it was this great spiritual shift that was taking place. The Holy Spirit was making his presence known. He was ready to embed himself in the lives of everyday disciples, everyday followers of Jesus Christ, and everyday sons and daughters. This great spiritual shift was about to take place. A very personal God was making himself even more personal. Isn't that just beautiful? A great spiritual shift was taking place. What, you know, the Holy Spirit was ready to embed the hearts and lives and spirits of, of everyday followers of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. And then we're gonna, we're gonna celebrate this community shift. A relational shift. It was not just a change in community. It was a change in how we saw community. Who was Allowed in this community. Everything changed. It was a relational shift. Barriers were broken down between Jews and Gentiles. Between men and women. Awesome stuff. Beautiful relational shift in this. The theme of oneness started here. The theme of we're all in this together started here. And this shift proclaims that the gospel moves on the speed of relationships. Powerful stuff. Powerful shift here. Spiritual shift. Relational shift. And then we have a mission shift. All of them together, women and men, started to speak in a number of different tongues. The Holy Spirit was empowering communications now. And He was going to speak through men and women together. And... The embedding of the Holy Spirit meant that there was a fresh understanding of what the mission was. And how important it was. And now, there was power instead of fear. See, there was a, there was a clarity of what this vision, you know, the, the teachings of Jesus made and were beginning to make more sense to them. Spiritual light bulbs went off in their heads. And the mission became Hugely important. The gospel became important like never before. And all of them, all of them, men and women, Jew and Gentile, were sent on mission. 
beautiful stuff here. So how do we prep for something as important as Pentecost? How do we incorporate these dynamic shifts into our everyday life? Let's start with a promise. Found in John 16, starting in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine that? Jesus is saying, you know what? It's going to be better for you if I go away. I mean, if I'm a disciple and I'm hearing that, I'm going, wait a minute. Time out here. What advantage is it you? You just came back. You just came back. You just rose from the dead. You're here. Think of the difference we can make now. I don't know about you, but if I'm a disciple, I'm blowing my mind with that statement alone. Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. And Jesus is always thinking about us. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Because he's not going to speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. What a beautiful promise. Whoa! The kindness of the Lord is just amazing here. He promises the disciples that when he returns to the Father, it's going to be better that he does so because he needs to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to us. Because he's going to teach us about all the truth. Not just some of the truth. Not just the truth we can handle. He's going to tell us all the truth. Explaining, again, all the teachings, all the parables, all the words, all the actions, all the miracles. You know what? The Holy Spirit is going to put it all together for them. So now they have a fresh understanding of the, of the three years that they spent with the Messiah and all the things that they didn't understand now will start to make sense. It's beautiful what Jesus is doing here. Absolutely beautiful. Basically, they will understand the gospel message like they never did before. But here's another promise that's beautifully connected to this. And it's found in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says this and then he promptly goes to heaven. Again, I'm I'm a disciple. I'm going, I think I need this Holy Spirit right now. (laughs) Because I'm not getting this. You just said you're going to be with us always. And then all of a sudden I'm looking up and you're... you getting this? I know I would. Because even now, sometimes I wonder where Jesus is. Sometimes. You don't, you don't have to raise your hands. I will. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm looking. But then I remember. I remember the part of this. Jesus says this because he talks about another. Here's another promise marker. We're going to get to what he, why he really said that. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth... 
who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. I am with you always. The coming of the Holy Spirit fulfills that promise. He says, I'm selling the helper. The, the Greek means the uh, intercessor, the advocate, the comforter. He's the spirit of truth, and he's going to testify. And that word testify in the Greek means to, to be a witness, to uh, talk about the things that I've experienced with someone. So I'm going I'm to be a witness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's inside of us witnessing about who Jesus is, what Jesus is like. And when the Holy Spirit moves in us, the presence of Jesus is with us. He is with us always because he's inside of us. It's powerful stuff here. This is a, this is a spiritual seismic shift here. I can't blame them for not understanding this at first. After receiving another promise, I think the disciples, and I think I do, need a push. So look at the book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, there's a lot in there, but there's a promise of power. Uh, Power over fear. Power over the enemy. Power over themselves. Their self-interest. They will be filled with the Holy Spirit who witnesses about Jesus within us so that we can witness to others. That's amazing to me. The Holy Spirit witnesses and insights about who Jesus is so we can witness to others who Jesus is. Oh, man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Verse 9. And when he had said these, these things, as they were looking, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them, and they were angels, in white robes, and, he, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come in the same way as you have saw him go into heaven. That's the push. That's the push. Jesus had already said in verse 4 of this chapter, he said, you know, you go and wait in Jerusalem. Something wonderful is about to happen. And maybe for a moment they were confused that Jesus was talking about them. When he asked them to wait, maybe they were supposed to just wait right there. I mean, he's... Again, we read this and we say, well, okay, he went up to heaven. Their, their minds were blown, okay? If we saw anyone float up to heaven, our minds would be great. So they didn't even have to be Jesus. If, if you guys started floating up to heaven right now, we'd all be worried. These men were going, wait a minute. And so the kindness of God sends two angels and says, brothers, what are you waiting for? Go and do what Jesus told you to go. Go to Jerusalem and wait there. Don't wait here. Wait there. Don't stand around doing nothing here. Wait there. The promise is that compound in this scripture that Jesus is coming back. But there's work to do. There's something to do in the meanwhile. And you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. So you need to go to Jerusalem like Jesus told you to go. Go. Don't wait here anymore. Leave the mountain and go to Jerusalem. Powerful, powerful push here. Because the message is clear. We all need reminders to step towards our purpose. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Someone say amen to that. The word works in here in the Greek means to be at work, to be active, 
to put forth power. His work in us pushes us forward. In this way, you know, it, this is the way we grow. And God is so content on, on, on conforming us into the image of Christ that he is very active in our lives. He's working on it. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. The reminder to wait in Jerusalem is just part of the promise. And that waiting teaches, taught the disciples and taught, is teaching us to push back. And this is what I mean. We need to push while we wait. Our circumstances, our hardships, our sorrows make it difficult to wait. Someone say amen to that. It makes it difficult to pray. So we need to push to pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. This preparation is part of our spiritual shift that we need to apply. It's the, it's the willingness to wait, or more specifically, the willingness to wait on God. Now, I know, waiting causes huge tension in a human being. We hate to wait. We get uncomfortable when we wait. Be it for dinner, for the news, for the checks to clear, for a doctor's phone call. Waiting causes issues. And phrases like this can drive us to the limit of our, of our patience. Just wait a minute. Wait here. You saw all those signs. Please wait until a hostess seats you. And depending on how hungry you are, causes a huge amount of tension. So today, if you want, you want, to, you want to complain about waiting, you're going to have to wait your turn. Sorry. <laughs> We don't generally like to experience huge moments of waiting. Uh, time appears to pass really slowly. The clock just doesn't seem to move while we're waiting or anxiously waiting. You know, I, I remember when I uh, asked Christine to marry me. And I got down on my knees and, and, and I had said those words and I was waiting for the answer. Now, that answer came quickly, but it seemed like an eternity. Although I knew of her intentions, although I knew she was going to say yes, just the fact that at just that time period between me saying, will you marry me, and, and the answer of yes, it seemed like, wow. Waiting for that was just, the anticipation was off the charts. We, we get uncomfortable in waiting. Maybe we just need to look at it a little bit different. Let's dive in a little bit deeper on this. Back to Acts 1.4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Wait for the promise of the Father. That part of that verse 4 really gets me. Did you ever wonder what the promise of the Father was? Did you ever think about that? Luke eleven thirteen it says, if, if you then who are evil know how to good give good gifts to your children... How much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There is the promise of the Father. Isn't that just absolutely outrageously beautiful? The promise of the Father is to give us the Holy Spirit. And all we got to do is ask. Love that. The Father is... Waiting to give us his promise. The Holy, his Holy Spirit is living in us and through us. The Greek word for promise in this, in this verse means a divine assurance of good. A pledge. It's an announcement. It's a message. This is indeed a good gift. 
God the Father is not silent about his promises, although we might have to wait for them. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the God, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. We learn how to wait from the Father. The Hebrew word for wait here means to adhere to, to stick to. But the Hebrew picture of that, it, it looks like a hook. So when we wait, we hook ourselves to the Father, to his plans, to his purposes, to his character. We hook ourselves. And so when we wait, we're, we're getting closer to, to the Father. And not only getting closer to the Father, we're, we're making sure that we're sticking with Him, that we got, got our hooks into Him so that we can't be shaken off or we can't shake ourselves off. Again, I just love this picture. It's something that grabs hold and it doesn't let go. It's a waiting that involves commitment and it keeps us connected. The Lord waits with the love of the Father's for the right time, for the right season, for the maximum input, impact of goodness on our lives. And see, the understanding that Father God waits on me inspires me to embrace waiting on Him in a different way. Let's go deeper. Acts 1.14 All these were one accord and devoting themselves to prayer together with all the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and His brothers. Two major points here. They waited together. They were all in one accord, not a Honda. They were all in one accord. Purposes, thoughts, commitment level, all of it, all in one. They were all doing it together, one accord. The Greek word here means all in one mind and one passion. They were knit together by a bond stronger than death. They were all in. The second point here is this, they prayed together. The Greek phrase here, they devoted themselves all together in prayer. It means to be earnest towards, to persevere, to be constantly diligent. They were serious and they pushed. They prayed until something happened. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. They were committed to pray, invested in prayer, hooked together in prayer for the promise of the Father to be released in them. So when I read these passages and these promises, I hear the Father ask me a question. What are you willing to wait for? Am I willing to wait for that moment when God fires me up to move in mission with him? Am I willing to wait on him, to sit at his feet in worship, in prayer, and stick to him no matter how long the wait is? Lamentations 3.25 helps me understand that this waiting is not passive, but active in the pursuit of him. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul that seeks him. Waiting on God is an active faith, seeking him, pursuing him, his plans, his heart, his, his desires, his, his character. It is, I, I am waiting on him, but I am hooked into him, and I am pursuing him with my, all my mind, all my heart, with all my strength. Because love is pursuit. Love is pursuit. And so waiting on him is just not sitting somewhere in a dark corner, you know, just hoping that God moves. It's waiting on him is it's being so attentive to him, so in pursuit of him, that I know exactly when he starts to move. And I move with him. Because I'm hooked into him. I'm hooked into him. 
And so I can hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice, know my voice. So I can hear his voice, so I know what to say. Because the Holy Spirit is witnessing in me. So I have the words to witness with. See, I need, I need a God witnessing to me who he is inside of me, so I can witness about to others. That's why I'm waiting on him. Because I'm actively pursuing him. So my wait isn't passive. My wait is passion unleashed. That I'm just exploring every part of his heart. And then I'm invested in every part of his heart. I'm hooked in. Connected. When sons and daughters seek his face together. When we're devoted to prayer. When we wait for the promise of the Father to be released in our lives over and over again. Then a powerful change happens. I think Pentecost. Although we celebrate this holy sacred day. And we should. It's the birth of the church. I think Pentecost is supposed to happen every day in our lives. We should have life-changing encounters with the Holy Spirit daily. And see, when we're hooked into to the Father, and we have, we have the witness of the Holy Spirit reminding us of who the Father is, of who, the, who Jesus is, and who we are in Him, I'll tell you, I need the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow across my heart, across my spirit, across my mind, and clear out the debris field of myself so that I can receive that knowledge, the truth of who I am in Christ. And then act like the son that I am. See, I need, I, need a, I need a daily Pentecost experience. I need fresh wind blowing on me all the time. I need fire to come and, and consume the, the, the crapola in my life. <laughs> and, and then ignite me to burn for passion for, for the Father. For the mission, for the gospel. See, I need a daily, daily, daily empowering of the Holy Spirit so I can speak with power, so I can speak with authority. And so I don't uh, I have to worry about the words I'm going to say to someone when I have opportunity. Because I have a Holy Spirit inside of me that's going to lead me to all truth. Who's going to give me the words. If he can cause a hundred or so people to speak in all kinds of different tongues, he can give me the words that I need at the moment. In order to be a witness to someone. See I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. I need his witness in me. So he can witness through me. One last scripture. In Romans 12.12. Still talking about the church. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Because they were hooked in. They couldn't be shaken off. Because of the tribulation. Because of the things that were going on. The persecution. They were hooked in. Actively waiting on Father, on the Holy Spirit to lead them to all truth, to tell them where to go, to what to say, and be everything that they needed to be at that moment. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I need promises, and I need a whole lot of pushing sometimes. I needed to be reminded to stop staying on the mountainside and, and getting lost in the clouds. I need to go where Jesus tells me to go and actively wait. So in tuned because the Holy Spirit is in me that I can see my Father move and I move with Him. I need the Holy Spirit to remind me of who I am so, so I'm no longer doubting about my own fears, my insecurities, my lack of what I think I am or what I think I'm not. To clear out that debris field. So I absolutely recognize who I am as a Son of God. 
so that you recognize who you are as a son of God or a daughter of God. So, they, so you absolutely recognize that because the Holy Spirit is witnessing to you who Jesus is and who you are in Jesus so that we can step out in faith and we can speak words that bring life because we have received words that have brought life. Amen. So that's the gospel. Reminding people of who Jesus is. Reminding them that there is a Savior who forgives sins. There is a Messiah that redeems. There is a healer who heals. There is a restorer who restores. And that the, the, the gospel is meant to be a rescue mission to bring them out of the darkness into the light. See, I need the Holy Spirit for that. I need to understand the promises, the power, the authority given. And sometimes I just need a little push.